0: Welcome to the Coach House Beacons. Hello, Jamie here. Well, this feels a little odd. Back recording beacons again. It's been some time since I sat in front of a microphone and I tried to put my life lessons on a recording, but here we are. Time to dust off that radio voice and begin. Well, in honesty, I hope and pray this finds you well, and that life for you is becoming more normal. I say that whilst doing the obligatory finger quote signs, because as we all know, life isn't quite back to any sense of real normality, But it is starting to look more normal, and with that comes the normal life stuff. You know, the happiness that comes with time spent sipping a cup of tea with a friend, to the anger of someone who drives too fast and cuts you up as you're trying to get to church on time. And it's this latter feeling I want to concentrate on today. Frustrations. They can seem so insignificant at the time, but they can do you some real damage. And not just you, but others too. But where do they come from? Why do we get frustrated and how can we work on not letting little things affect who we are and what Christ wants us to be? Well, I'm going to tell you a truth of mine. I get frustrated really easily by people's behaviour or attitude. I don't know what it is about them, but they just seem to push every button that makes me climb the walls. One of my big frustrations that really gets my goat is when someone promises to do something, then fails to do it. Or doesn't even try to do it, then comes back with a heap load of excuses of why it's not done. If you want to see me get angry, try that. Another one is when people simply don't consider others. This right here is my absolute biggest frustration. For instance, imagine, if you will, someone sitting on a comfy chair Seeing someone moving chairs or cleaning or something like that and they don't ask, need a hand? They just sit watching someone work and not offering to help. I find this the most annoying and what saddens me the most is that it happens at church too. We sometimes hear of the pecking order and it's correct to say that every society, organisation and schoolyard has a pecking order. Human nature dictates that there are those who are served and those who do the serving. In the old days, masters had servants who did a lot of menial work for them. And in some parts of the world, this is still the case. I'm thinking of the days of Jesus when he was on earth over 2,000 years ago. Back then, roads weren't great and people walked a lot on dusty paths. And because of this, it was very common to have your feet washed before sitting down to share in a meal. It wasn't a very pleasant task, as you can imagine, with all the dirt stuck between the toes. It's pretty awful. But who would be tasked with doing it? Well, the servants, of course. And even the disciples of Jesus were not willing to wash feet. It was a menial task beneath their dignity. Foot-washing was a menial job. Even the students of a rabbi had too much dignity to wash their teachers' feet. It was for slaves, for servants, and for women. Yet Jesus came with a different message. He taught that those who would be great are those most prepared to serve others. It certainly was different to hear a religious leader talk like this. And then, as it is now, some of Jesus' followers have difficulty and had difficulty in understanding it. In John 13, there is a meal Jesus shares with his disciples. It was a special and intimate moment when Jesus washed their feet. To actually wash their feet was a scandalous act. You can read this in verses 4 to 15. In this remarkable act of servanthood, Jesus demonstrated that true greatness is not about position but attitude. In Matthew's Gospel, he said, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. That's Matthew 20, 26-27. People have trouble and had trouble accepting his words. They were amazed at how different they were. They would ask Jesus, how do I get to first place? He said, by doing last, and by being last. Others said, how do I lead? And he said, by following. An attitude of true service, not self-service. Another day, James and John spoke with Jesus. Teacher, there is something we want you to do for us. What is it? Jesus asked. They answered, when you sit on the throne in your kingdom, we want you to let us sit with you, one on your right and one on your left. And Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking for. Can you drink the cup of suffering that I must drink? Can you be baptised in the way I must be baptised? We can, they answered. The other disciples heard about it and were angry. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is not destroying authority, because positions of leadership will always be necessary. Nor does it mean that those who serve should be treated like doormats, or exploited, or abused. A writer called Richard Foster said this. Self-service is about choosing who and when we will serve. It's about serving to make ourselves feel better. But true service means putting yourself out, not for personal glory. In God's eyes, all people are worth serving. It means acting wherever and whenever it is needed. So what does this tell me about my frustrations? Well, it tells me I need to learn how to serve more. And for those that sit with their feet up whilst others work, I need to serve them too. I shouldn't get frustrated when people don't do what I expect, but I need to learn to show them Jesus and what Jesus would do. Thanks for joining us. There are many more beacons to listen to on Spotify or on our website. And if you're able, we would love you to join us on Sundays. Just head over to coachhousechurch.org to find out more.